This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Go Gohey gets a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to A's Cast Live as we're getting you ready for a little A's baseball spring training action. This is going to be game, what, five? Five, correct. Wow. Did you see the uh, ad that you had up there before? I did not realize that this season, the athletics are doing a Mandalorian bobblehead. So, just, How big is that going to be? So it just went live today. I'll put up full screen. So with the That's special, huge. With the purchase of a special theme ticket, Ace fans can get a Mark Kotze Mandalorian-themed bobblehead. The helmet take comes off, and you can put it back on. So you get that on March. What does Mark Kotze have to do with Disney? Uh, nothing. I think we just wanted to put Kotze as the Mandalorian. Maybe Pedro Pascal is unavailable. The you, guy that plays the Mandalorian. You mean Bad Back? Mark Kotze is now a is now a bobblehead. Uh, I guess so. May fourth, right. May the fourth be with you. You can get the the Mandalorian bobblehead. The big the big reason why we we debuted it today. The Mandalorian season three debuted at midnight, so it came out today. I'm going to go home and watch it later today. So that's why we have the Mandalorian bobblehead giveaway. It's also a very popular show on Disney Plus. Literally, it's why you're here. So you know all the see, see the key for Cody in this show is he knows the stuff I don't know. Like I have no idea. Like last night at midnight, I I did not know the Mandalorian was dropping on Disney Plus. Yep. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, now you know. No clue. But that's why you're here, to fill me in on that you fill in those blanks in my life that I just, I I left Disney years ago. I'll throw it up there again. May 4th, may the 4th be with you. May the 4th. Against the Mariners, special ticket, special theme night ticket, athletics.com slash promotions to look into this. Mark Kotze, Mandalorian bobblehead giveaway. May 4th. Is the Star Wars franchise, it's got to be the biggest franchise in the history of the entertainment business. It's got to be. Let's see. They have nine 
major movies, and then they have a couple spinoffs like I Rogue mean, One. And- I mean, Disney spent billions on it. Now they're yeah. going to milk it like you wouldn't believe. Well, let's see. Since Disney bought it, they've made three major stories. They made episodes seven, eight, nine: uh, Solo, Rogue One, Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett. The Bad Bat. It made, they made so many spinoff Isn't shows. Isn't there an Obi-Wan Kenobi Obi-Wan one? Obi-Wan Kenobi. That show came out last year. There's so many. Uh, they're making a show about another Jedi named Ashoka. They're doing so much. And here I was. I, I was happy with Harrison Ford and the Millennium Falcon back in the day. I had the Millennium Falcon. You remember the big? Yes. The, did you guys ever see it when you were kids? Yeah. When we were kids. I had the big Star Wars dolls. They're actually worth money. I think I actually have them here in a box somewhere. So I that they had when I was a kid they had the huge Star Wars fi- figures, and then like I had the big Millennium Falcon. I mean that was I was good with that. You needed to take it a step further. That's fine, but I was cool with <laughs> Princess Leia and Han Solo. I was I was fine with that. Um, Yoda even was a little much for me. The, don't get me started on Solo. We've had this discussion before. He's don't most, get me started he's on. He's the most overrated character in the Star Wars universe. Don't get me started with people of your generation walking around Disneyland with Yoda backpacks. <laughs> don't get me started on that. I will get started on A's baseball. Bill Moriarty, who does a great job covering the minor leagues for us, will be here at 1030. Uh, Daniel Susak, former number one pick out of the University of Arizona, catcher, joined us down in spring. Uh, we have that interview for you that he's going to be potentially, you know, the future. If Soderstrom gets moved to first base or wherever, which I don't think he catches long term, who knows about Langoliers? We still have to see if he can play at this level. Susat could be the guy, and he is a big catcher. He's impressive. And then we'll have Johnny from spring training as they're going to be – we're playing Tang on the Reds today. That's a good yeah. year. Yeah, uh, Graham Ashcraft in the Joey Votto and the vaunted Reds offense. Joey Votto is a great example of how social media can turn how you feel about a player. Because we have been able – because unless you're in a market, unless you get to know the guys – you know, you might need to turn the heater off today. It's a little – it's not as cold. I have a – you know, I, I if you've watched the show enough, you know I have an air conditioner and a heater for our studio because, you know, Cody gets a little cold, a little hot, so got to take care of the lower-level employees. So I, I think we're good today. It's not as cold as it has been. But social media has allowed us to learn about some of the players. Like, we know our players, and you can say, yeah, this guy, he's got a great personality. But how would you know – different league, which, thank God, that's starting to get erased. Um, you now find out through a lot of stuff, Joey Votto is a funny dude. Yeah, he's good on social media. And he is – I mean, he's been a terrific player. He's an MVP. I mean, he's going to get a lot of Hall of Fame votes, if not be a baseball Hall of Famer. He's had a great career. He's been great for the, the city of Cincinnati. but and, But he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's a guy. He's like a dream guy to have in your organization, to where you could build so much around him. Big Joey Votto fan. Um, a lot of news going on. A lot of business going on. In Major League Baseball today. And I know sometimes that turns you off, but today we do have to talk about it, and we will talk about it because things are, uh, and, and it kind of it kind of pertains to us. 
you know, a good host always brings everything back to himself, right? Correct. So I will do that today with the business of baseball. And let's face it, television has shaped a lot of our lives. We've taken it for granted at times. You know, there were generations before us that didn't have TV or they had black and white and they only had three channels. We don't understand that world. So TV is really shaped and then, of course, helped lead us all to these things, which have some people think ruined our lives. Uh, Eno said it best. Uh, ever since the iPhone, everyone's attention span has disappeared. But there was a couple things from yesterday's game. I want to tell you a story about what happened yesterday. And why this kind of excites me is after we got done with the show, we went inside. We're hanging in my kitchen. Cody was editing. I had the game on my computer. And which I can't believe MLB Network didn't. I mean, I know there's a lot that goes on with TV trucks and all this kind of stuff. But how did you not air a game that had Otani against Shintaro? I like what? You're going to air some random East Coast Grapefruit League game versus two Japanese pitchers. I I understand there's a lot that goes on to that. I'm just thinking out loud here, what a missed opportunity. But Because there was a lot of people around the world watching that thing. But the first thing that I want to talk about is not Fuji and his outing, which we will get to, which that was the most important thing yesterday, no question. But we're, we're in my kitchen. Cody's editing. I'm, I'm watching it, and I was doing something else. And then all of a sudden, we call him Esty now because I can't – no one can figure out how to say his name because we played it for you. It's uh, Ruiz. He took second base. Like that. And we hardly – it was so fast that it was just like, yeah, he stole second base. And then Cody says to me, he goes, "Are you sure? Let's let let's let, let's check the the play by play." Oh yeah, he did steal second base. It happened so fast that I doubt any of you who are actually watching you didn't notice it until he was on second base because he took it that fast. Why is that important? Because it's what I've been talking about. Ninety feet, dominating ninety feet. This team, the way it's made up, might have, I don't know, long way to go, but might have the ability to dominate 90 feet, to take 90 feet at will. That's how far it, well, it's not, I guess, I guess that wouldn't be with the bit, with the bags bigger, but technically it's 90 feet from bag to bag. He took second base like it was nothing. Like it was boom and he was there. Like the Flash. And we're like, watch it. And we're like, that really just happened? You remember that? Yeah. We're like, is that just happened? This kid, is. We, we saw him run down a ball in center field, dive. But a lot of guys can do that. But the ability just to swipe bags so easily that it made me start thinking, man, when is the last time we had somebody – that really was. Coco came to mind, but I was thinking, eh, thir- I, what, what did Coco steal in 11? Uh, Coco stole 49 bags in 2011, but if you go back a year prior, in 2010 when the A's went 81 and 81, Rajay Davis stole 
50, and then the year before he sold 41. I don't want to put any pressure on anybody. I don't want to set any parameters. I don't want to set any goals. I don't. I nothing. I'm just saying. Just seeing what we're seeing, and what we have heard about Ruiz. If you can find a way to get this guy on base on any consistent level, you're talking about a guy that has the ability to steal 80 bags easy. I mean, we remember Ricky Henderson. Obviously, he's the greatest. But remember the threat of a guy who could just take second and then take third, immediately be in scoring position, run at will? Ruiz looks like a guy that has the ability that he can he can get on first base and go, hey, everybody, I'm going. And there's nothing you can do about it. We already know the pitchers are limited from a pickoff standpoint. If you're not going to throw over and he gets a walking lead and he's walking into it and he's gone, you're never going to get him. And then you're going to reset that and now – Right-handed pitchers don't like throwing. They don't like throwing to second. No one ever is like throwing to second base. The only time you like throwing to second base is when you're actually trying to pick the guy off. So essentially, if you're a second baseman, right? My glove will be in my left hand. The second baseman will kind of creep over, and then he'll give the sign like this, and he's going to second base. Because for a pitcher, when you're on the mound, it's tough to see for a right-handed pitcher, right? But you can see that hand, and you know you do the spin move because you have the inside move where the leg comes over, the slow move to try and fool the runner, but you have the spin move when you try and get a guy at second base. Well, that's always dictated by the infielder. Remember, if the glove's here, I'm going to give you this sign when I'm going. As a pitcher, you see this in your peripheral vision. You see the hand. For a right-hander, it's actually the glove because the right-hander, it's over here, and he does this, and you see that glove movement, then you know as a pitcher to spin. So you never throw over to second base because it's a high-risk throw just to get a guy to go back. You've always stepped off. Well, that's now a disengagement. My whole point here is pitchers are now limited, and this kid can take bases at will? I'm not going to be shocked. If we're seeing 70, 80 stolen bases, if he can get on. Once again, I'm not setting any goals. Not, I'm just, he has an ability that you can't teach. If he know, if he's got the instincts to be a base stealer, that is something, it's, it's more than just speed. When you talk about the greats like Maury Wills, Ricky Henderson, and then you got Tim Raines and Vince Coleman and these guys. They just didn't have speed. They had the instincts. They read pitchers. They did their homework. They understood catchers. They knew how fast a pitcher was to home plate. They knew how far with each guy they could get off the base without getting picked off. They know who doesn't like. We know. The scouting reports are out there. We know who doesn't like to throw over to first base. They know that. I don't know. You don't know because they're not sharing it with us. But that's why you have scouts. That's why you have scouts that, you know, sorry, Jeffrey Lunau. That's why you have scouts that go to games and they watch these teams. Right? You got these guys behind home plate with radar guns, but they're also sitting here and they're making notes. They're saying Joe Blow, he doesn't like to throw over. There's a lot of right-handed pitchers that do not like to throw over. 
Well, if I know that and I got Ruiz on first, it's a track meet. And I'm having him steal third. I'm putting him in scoring position like that because the A's are going to need that. That is the number one thing I saw yesterday. Like, wow, we could have something. This is a weapon. This guy could be a weapon. I think the whole team should be a track. It should be a, every single day. I, I, I'm going in. I'm taking everybody's cleats. I'm throwing them in the trash, and I'm putting we're, – we're Nike now, right? So I'm putting track shoes in there. Everybody, you got track shoes, track spikes. We're running every game. You get on base, you got the green light. What, what are we worried about? We lost 102 games last year. I want everybody to learn this year how to steal bases. If you don't steal bases, you're going to learn this year. You're going to learn. I want you to study pitchers. I want you to study. Left-handers. Remember left-handers? They could play their game with their leg and they're balking. And I don't care what Dallas Braden says. They balk all the time. And there's only so many. They can only do that so much now. Every guy on the ace needs to study pitchers, understand pitchers, and run. We need to run. We need, when the A's show up to town, the pitching staffs have to be like, man, have you seen how much these guys are going? We want to be swirling in the pitchers' heads. We want every pitcher that takes the mound to think, I can't get anybody on base because these SOBs are going to be running. That is a weapon. We need that. That's number one. Number two, I think it would be easy for us to say, or for the casual observer who read about Shintaro and his control problems to say, ah, now you're seeing why. I mean, because you could easily do it. You could easily say, wait a minute, this guy is so special. Why did he sign with the A's for $3 million? What did he sign for, 3 point something? I think it was like 3.2 maybe. Yeah, if this guy is so hell on wheels, why is he signing with the A's for 3.2? Why? And why is he going to the A's? Well, because the A's were the one team that was going to allow him to start because a lot of people went, you got control problems, we'll give you a shot in the bullpen, let's figure it out, then maybe you'll start. The A's went, oh, no, no, you'll start here. Smart move by the A's. So if you had any reservations about, as you call him, Fuji, you saw it yesterday. I mean, he was all over the joint with his fastball. And he did something that you don't see a lot. All of a sudden, he started spinning. It wasn't a sharp breaking ball. It wasn't a sharp slider. But if you really watched it, he could only get the slider, the spinny slider. When you throw 100, you get away with that. At times, when you're all over the plate, I mean, when you're a hitter and you're up there, it's very uncomfortable when someone's throwing 100 miles an hour, 97 miles an hour, and he doesn't quite know where it's going. It's kind of uncomfortable. So you can get away with a spinny slider for a strike, and he did that. He started throwing that. That's what he could control. For his release point, the spinny, it was just spinning. It wasn't a sharp breaking slider. It was just a spinny get-me-over slider, but that's what he had for a strike, and he went with that and got away with it. I think you throw all of it out. It's his first outing, and my God, the pressure these guys are under. It takes time. You got the weight of the world on you. You're nervous as hell. You've come over from Japan. You're in a new country. You know everybody's getting, everybody you know 
Think about that. Every it'd be like Cody out here. You're gonna make your first start, and everybody back in Pennsylvania is staying up late at night to watch you. You'd know that. Everybody was getting up at 5 a.m. in Japan, who he knows, to watch his first ever outing in Major League Baseball. Even though it's only spring training, they don't view they don't view it like that. They think it's like you know a Super Bowl to them. Otani, even though it's okay, they're only pitching two innings. Otani against Fuji in a spring training game to start the year. I guarantee you. Hundreds of thousands of people got up at 5 a.m. in Japan to watch this. You know that. So the fact that you know that, there was a lot of pressure is what I'm trying to say. Now, if he looks like this at the end of spring, we got a problem. But I'm I'm in a there's a lot of nerves. There was a lot of adrenaline. He ends up getting out of it with a double play ball. You see the stuff. I mean, now it's on Scott Emerson and the staff. The stuff is there. You can't teach velocity. I mean, you can teach guys to throw a couple miles an hour harder. Like, you know, driveline is right now. We've learned our old friend Sean Manaya has gotten his fastball up, I love they say, between 93 and 96. Well, 93 and 96 is a big difference, but whatever. Yeah, you're talking about low, you're talking about low nineties to high, to mid to high nineties. Well, I mean, technically, <laughs> if one of them hits ninety six, you could say ninety six, while the rest are living ninety three. Whatever, we can take guys and help them gain. But when you're talking about a big boy getting up there and he's hundred, boom, ninety eight. That's that's God given ability, right? He's got it. Now you just got to harness it, and now he's got to figure out. If I'm going to be successful, I can't load the bases. He walked three yesterday. Shuck out three through 38 well, pitches. He walked three in a row. Yeah, it wasn't three in a row. Yeah. You do that, uh, MC Hammer's coming out, and it's hammer time. Yeah. Because uh, that, that is not a recipe of success in our game. And that is the scary part and why people – had reservations about him was he's had a big control issue and he figured it out at the end of last year for three months, but I don't even know what the hell that means. Hey, the last three months of the season, like when do we gauge a player? That's like saying, hey, Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith's starting every day and Kevin Smith's our best player because his last month in AAA, he was Babe Ruth or Barry Bonds. He was. September 9th on, he had 11 home runs in Vegas. He was incredible. What does that mean? So, but, you know, for the A's, where we are, you take a chance on that like that, right? It's a low risk. You have nothing to lose by bringing Shintaro in for three-point whatever and figuring him out, and you got a flame-throwing right-handed pitcher. You've got nothing to lose. It's a great gamble. 3.25. 3.25. So we were saying 3.2, so we have to add in that 5. So, to me, don't worry about what you saw yesterday. I do like the ability that as things were going off the rails and he's got the pitch timer going where you're going to see guys go off the rails when they start losing their release point. We've talked about it. They lose the release point. Pitch timer's going. And, and it's going to be – the game's going to speed up on him and guys are going to be a train wreck. He didn't allow that to happen. He found something he could throw over for a strike, a spinny slider, and in the end got out of it with a pitcher's best friend, a double play ball. So I would say, all in all, 
Went out there, didn't give up anything, gave up some walks, no hits. What? Yeah, one hit he allowed. He allowed one hit? One hit, yeah. One hit, three strikeouts, got out of it, nothing. I mean, fine. He was fine. He's got, he's got juice. There is no doubt about it. You know, quite a bit, something that we've talked about, we'll talk to Bill more already about it, um, there, there's quite a, there, there, there's quite a few guys. There's excitement. There's legitimate excitement. There's legitimate guy. Like we, we have no, I have no clue how good they're gonna be, but give me something to watch, and there's no doubt. There's storylines and there's people to watch. That is a good sign for the A's this early in spring. And you start talking about these young players who are who are showing. They're they're, they're showing that there's a core being built. And that's what you have to have. Long-term, you have to be able to build a core. You want to be able to have guys that can compete now, entertain us now, and a group that's coming that's going to be good. Oh, and I meant – remind me, Bill brought up a left-hander. Because Kirby Sneed – Kirby Sneed has been shut down. Yeah. Now, the Ramon Laureano thing's a growing, not a big deal. Kirby Sneed is what they're saying is he was feeling discomfort in his, his debut against the Diamondbacks on February 25th. Discomfort in his left lap muscle, which is later diagnosed as a left shoulder strain. That's never good. No. Now, our buddy, you can go to at Athletics Farm for Bill Moriarty. He tweeted out, and I took a picture of it, Jake Fishman is the guy that now we need to be looking at. Yes, that's right. Jake Fishman. And as I always talk about Ohapi with the Angels, we should get him a brewery. I'm thinking about a Bass Pro Shop sponsorship for Jake Fishman. Where did Fishman pitch last year? Uh, with the fish? For the fish, the Marlins. Oh, I have it right here. <laughs> but I'm, look, I, I, I'm thinking about does that not is that not perfect? A Bass Pro Shop type sponsorship for Jake Fishman? Uh, that'd be great. It's Jake Fishman. Nope. When I got my boat and I'm out there, I mean, I could just see he's just decked out. I mean, I just, come on, camo on on the boat, fishing. I mean, Jake Fishman, come on. It's We got to see. I'm a, making this guy money before he's even thrown a pitch for us. Speaking of a hoppy, real quick, I, I believe he had a two-run homer yesterday in the whatever. But I'm saying. The minute O'Hoppy was traded from Philly, <laughs> Philly to, yeah. to Anaheim, I said it. They should be building a a – a bar outside of the Big A, an Irish pub, O'Hoppies. And everything is, after the game, go to O'Hoppies. Before the game, go to O'Hoppies. Like, if he ever gets traded here, oh, I mean, seriously. I'm invested in that. O'Hoppies? And this kid's a top prospect. You can just rename the, the Irish bar at the Coliseum to O'Hoppies. O'Hoppies. If you've got a legit catcher and his name's O'Hoppy, I mean, come on, are we not all on board? And we do love catchers. Uh, we will talk about today. Uh, we will get to editor in chief of Athletics Farm at Athletics Farm, Bill Moriarty, in just a sec here. Uh, baseball and sports is changing, and I know sometimes you guys, some people, like I don't want to hear about the business of baseball, but but it is, it's the main story right now. We've we've mentioned it. Cable television in our country is dying. More and more people don't have cable. I think I'm the last person that I know of in my inner circle, and that includes you, 
I think I'm the last guy that has cable. All my friends don't have cable. They've all got all these different ways to watch stuff. I get cable because I'm here to support NBC Sports California because they support the A's. They're our partner. I still get Xfinity. I t- so Xfinity, you're my Wi-Fi, you're my cable. I actually do some work for them. I support NBC Sports California. I still get cable. I might be a dinosaur, but I support people who support me. People helping people is what they there say. There you go. <laughs> but you're looking at this Bally's Corp that's about to go into bankruptcy. They're missing checks. It's 14 teams in Major League Baseball, 16 teams in the NBA, and 12 in the NHL. And now Major League Baseball is basically going to have to figure out how, how they're going to air all these games for all these teams. And there's all kinds of reports going out there. We'll get more into it later. But that's the biggest news. And also, we mentioned AT&T Disney. They're missing payments on their RSNs, regional sports networks, as they like to call it, their cable. It is a major problem, just not baseball. We're in the middle of the NBA season. We're in the mid- We're hockey. For God's sakes, it's almost February, and payments are being missed. It's going to dramatically change how you watch A's baseball is going to dramatically change. And once again, how does a good host always bring it back to himself? This is why we created A's cast. Because we knew terrestrial radio and cable television weren't the future. This is the future. And it's happening right in front of our eyes. And we've said it to you over and over. Well, we talked a lot about terrestrial radio, right? Yeah. But now, as we knew when we created this, it was cable TV too. I mean, during the pandemic, it's amazing how many people hunkered down and dropped. People were already dropped. It's always been more people didn't have cable than cable. But really, during the pandemic, it was record amounts of people dropping cable. And that's why even, you know, NBC has been pushing people to apps, now Peacock. And, I mean, it's it's crazy how things are changing. So, you know what? This is why, I mean, the San Francisco Chronicle will not be traveling with the team this year. So, if you're an A's fan, MLB.com will not be traveling full-time with the A's. You want your A, you want your guest, you want your information, you want you you want A's, you want you want Major League Baseball. This is where you come. There's nobody in the Bay Area who talks more about Major League Baseball than us. Just not A's. Nobody talks. KMBR will talk Giants. They don't do other teams. They don't even know other teams, let's be honest. No offense. I heard that I heard that for first hand yesterday. The Kruko was on. I was listening on my way home from somewhere last night. Uh and Kruko was on. Talk, it was a replay from Murph and Mac in the morning. Kruko was like, who's the guy for the, the, the Astros that does the Rock the Baby? I don't remember his name. And then he was talking about uh, um, uh, the Clevenger, but he said his name wrong. Uh, from San Diego, well, now with the no, White Sox. White Sox. Because he used to do the rocking back and forth and how you can't do that anymore. But he was like, yeah, that guy for the Astros. That Cle- did the- Clevenger's got bigger issues yeah. than that. Yeah, than yeah, his <laughs> wind-up. <laughs> yeah, he's got bigger. Yeah, I remember one time. Uh, someone saying to me, hey, they couldn't even fit. Jack Zarenzik was the G- general manager of the uh, – The pride of California University of Pennsylvania. Was uh, a friend. Uh, we loved Jack when he used to be come to town. He always came on with us on the A's pregame show. They had no clue who the Mariners GM was. Oh, speaking of 
GMs. I, you know, I think there's times where hypocrisy has to be called out on this show. Who's the guy that came over from you? You, 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 you kind of like Tampa. Yeah, they're yeah, they're good. They're no, good no, the, you kind of like Tampa. Yeah, they're good at developing. You respect Tampa. They're good at developing talent. Okay, who did the Astros bring in from Tampa? James Click. Ah, oh, but didn't you say, oh, it's all Lunau's guys? Click at wait, wait. He came from Tampa, a place that you love, and now you're going to crap on him when he goes to Houston and wins? I'm just playing. I'm just telling you how I see it. And where is he going now? He's like the VP of something for the Blue Jays. For the Blue Jays. Back in the AL East. Yeah, uh uh-huh. James Click, the guy you crapped on, World Series champion James (laughs) Click. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. All righty, the editor-in-chief of Athletics Farm. You follow him on Twitter, at Athletics Farm. I follow him, and I took the picture of his tweet. Keep an eye on non-roster invitee left-handed pitcher Jake Fishman as a possible replacement for left-handed pitcher Kirby Sneed. You give the stats. You talk about the Marlins. I immediately thought, Bill, I immediately thought, Bass Pro Shop sponsorship for the great Jake Fishman. It just goes hand in hand. I, I saw it. I, I think. Tell us about Jake Fishman. Real deal because of Kirby Sneed is not able to go. Sam Mole is your only lefty you got going now. Of course, AJ Puck down in Miami. Yeah, well, like Cody mentioned too, uh, Fishman did pitch for the Fish last year, so I think the tie-in is pretty pretty appropriate there. But yeah, you know, I mean, the A's are really short on left-handed relievers at this point with Puck gone, Sneed down. Sam Mall is the only, you know, really set lefty in the bullpen. Last year, they usually had three guys from the left side. Right now, Mall's the only guy set. I think there's a good chance that J.P. Sears might start the season as a long man and swing man. Ooh, that's in the a good call too. That's good. Call. I think that's a, that's a very good chance that that happens, but they're probably still going to need a third guy. And if Snead is down, the, the great thing, a fisherman is really the, the only left-hander left in camp, left-handed reliever who's got major league experience to fill that role. Um, you know, I think he pitched in about 11 games, maybe for the Marlins last year. He had an ERA, I think around 225 in the minors struck out, uh, about uh, n- um, nine guys per nine innings at AAA last year. Really effective in AAA. Had a little big league experience. If they need someone to step into that role as a as another left-hander in the bullpen this year, I think Fishman is the one guy in camp who is best positioned to do that. Uh, he is going to be pitching for Team Israel in the World Baseball Classic, so we might not see as much of him in the A's camp as we'd like. But again, I think 
you know, if you're looking for a, another left-hander in the bullpen, he's the most likely candidate just given his resume with Snead going down. Speaking of the fish, did you have you seen who's already hurt down in the fish's camp? You're our friend, uh, Mr. Puck, uh, yes, he has not pitched in a game for uh, for the Marlins yet. He's had a bit of a leg issue. Yeah. You know, you obviously have to wonder if maybe that's one of the reasons the A's made the deal is just, uh, you know, ongoing concerns about his overall health. And um, as talented as a guy might be or as much potential as he might have, if he shows himself to be an ongoing injury risk, you know, that's something you really have to weigh and evaluate. And you have to wonder if that's something that really factored into the A's thinking. With AJ Puck, he hasn't he hasn't yet taken the mound there. Um, and uh, you know another former A was interesting. I was just tweeting about last night to his Chad Pinder. You know, has, has signed a minor league deal with the Reds, and he's uh, he's fighting for a role in the Reds camp. I think he's probably going to make the Reds opening day roster. But interesting to see that that Chad Pinder had to sign a minor league deal with the Reds this offseason. Yeah, we were like, oh my God, what's going to happen with Chi? Thirty teams. And he got a minor league deal. But, you know, one of the things that's great about what you do for us here on A's Cast, and we always appreciate it, and what A's fans, why they need to follow you, is you've been talking about, hey, everybody, we've got some exciting guys, and I think we're finally getting to see it, right? We're getting to see, okay, hey, Butler's super exciting. Clark's super exciting. Ruiz now, I mean, you, you, I mean, Ruiz is new, but we've got athletes. We've got exciting athletes. You've been telling us now we're really being able to see it. I think for you as someone who's following it, it's kind of like almost like your kids are growing up in front of your eyes. Yeah, that, no, that's definitely the case. And I've been through this a few times. Like, I remember when Matt Olson and Chad Pinder were, you know, sharing a house with three other guys in Stockton and going down there and talking to them and then eventually seeing them become, you know, the core of a new A's team. And it is. It's like watching your kids grow up and, uh, you know, uh, uh, join the real world. But now, you know. I just put out my top Ace Farms top 10 prospects list uh, this past week on my uh, athleticsfarm.com site. And the two top guys on my list are Tyler Soderstrom and Zach Geloff, who I've been talking about for a couple years now as being guys who are likely to form the core of this new A's team. And here they are in spring camp with the A's this, this season, this spring, finally able to kind of show people what they're capable of doing. And I think, you know, it's very it's quite possible that by the end of this season, you could see Zach Geloff playing some second base for the A's. Tyler Soderstrom likely maybe playing some first base for the A's, starting to form the core of that new infield for the A's. And like you mentioned, we've got a couple of really exciting young outfielders, Denzel Clark and Lawrence Butler, who could be, you know, two great um, cornerstones of the outfield for the A's in the coming years as well. And I think, You've seen, I think Denzel Clark's four for four in the spring. I think Lawrence Butler's three for four. And every hit he's had has been an extra base hit. Both these guys have speed, power. They're 21, 22 years old. Exciting young players that I think, you know, fans can really uh, get behind. And like I said, uh, Soderstrom and Galoff are just, you know, really professional hitters. I think Soderstrom could end up being a sort of a Matt Olson type in the core of the, the A's lineup. And Galoff is just a really solid hitter who really knows what he's doing at the plate. So just in those four guys, you've got a nice little core there. But but they're not the only ones. There's plenty of other guys around, too. And, and of course, we know about all the young pitching prospects the A's have available to them now with the and the Waldachucks and the Sears and everybody else coming along uh, uh, on that end of things, too. Can I give you a very 
unfair comp for Soderstrom. Sure. Uh, a guy that I love. I got to play against him in college. He was a great A and MVP. I think less of Matt Olson, and I think more of Jason Giambi for Soderstrom. Sure. Hey, you know, I, I think I think we would all be totally happy with either of those. You know, <laughs> uh, I think Soderstrom hasn't shown the penchant for for taking walks that maybe Olson or Giambi has, but he's still very young, and younger guys tend to, you know, be a little more free. But remember, swinging, so. Giambi out of college at a Long Beach State. Giambi was a grip it and rip it guy. Giambi wasn't looking to walk. Yeah. When he was on Team USA and he was a dirtbag at Long Beach State, he was a grip it and rip it guy. He learned how to do that in the A system. He he also didn't have quite so much power when he was younger. No, uh, as, as well too. That really well. He was kind of skinny and he wasn't on steroids at the time. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, so we we could speculate as to how that power <laughs> developed. So let's just. It, it wasn't necessarily yeah. there initially, yeah. anyway. Yeah. But uh, but Soderstrom, you know, has really genuine raw power. You know, he led all A's minor leaguers in home runs last year. He had 29 <laughs> home runs. And, you know, at just the age of 21, you know, he was uh, he was hitting home runs in um, in double A at Midland, which is a very hard place to, to hit home runs. So Soderstrom's power is is very real. And it's only likely to develop more as he gets older and a little bigger and a little stronger, too. Um, so. I mean, I think Soderstrom is obviously a guy you can look forward to, and I think we all agree he's probably not going to end up being a catcher behind no. the plate, uh, especially with Shea Langoliers, you know, in the fold. But, you know, one thing that could be useful is even if he serves as sort of a third catcher, that's useful because that enables you to allow your regular catcher maybe to DH some days and you got your backup guy starting, and then you know if something happens, you've still got Soderstrom able to put on the mitt. And pitch hit. It, helps you, it, it helps, helps you with pitch hitting. Yeah, a- Absolutely. So just having a guy who's even capable of catching yeah. occasionally like that. Uh, yeah, a legit useful. option. Think- you're, you're a great point. He's a legit – like you could say, all right, Sodi, go get the gear, and it's not like, oh, God, you're taking a le- – you're getting – I mean, he, he just started in a game as a catcher. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like for years – Chad Pinder was considered the A's third catcher, which was obviously an option you didn't want to go to. No. But if you got a guy like Soderstrom, you know, at least if you need to, you can stick him behind the plate. He's got experience. He's been a real catcher. And that's a useful thing as well. But I think, you know, likely you're going to have him at first base. Or, you know, if we've got somebody else we like better at first base, maybe a Ryan Noda, who's good defensively, you could always stick Soderstrom in a corner outfield position too. He's athletic enough to play multiple places around the field. And, you know, as long as his back you know, they'll find a spot for him. But right now, I mean, he started more games at first base than catcher this last minor league season. So right now, that seems to be the most natural position for him. By the way, after not only did I interview Ryan Noda, but I got to have a long conversation with him in the clubhouse after the interview. He's my new favorite player. I This kid has got bravado. He told us off the air. He's just met me. And I'm like asking him and because, you know, it's a tough situation. He is the heir apparent at first base for the Dodgers. And next, you know, they go out and sign Freddie Freeman to a six year deal. You're blocked. Right. So I'm having this conversation with him. And he goes, he goes, yeah, I can play gold glove defense. I went right on. This guy's got (laughs) supreme confidence. He's come out of the gate. He knows he's in a battle. He's come out of the gate swinging it. Uh the A's might have something, you know, just not, hey, rule five pick, we got to keep him here. They might have a guy who thinks he can be the dude, who thinks he yeah. could be the guy. It could be, I, I'm telling you, I, Bill, I'm a big Nota fan. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. And that kind of confidence can be contagious, too. I remember when Matt Chapman was drafted, being on a conference call with him, and I asked him something about his game. You know, this is the, the night he was drafted, and he said, I'm the best defensive third baseman in all of college baseball. You know, and, yeah. and normally guys don't talk like that. They try to be humble, you know. And I remember thinking, like, wow, this is a guy that really believes in himself, you know. And I like to see that, and I think notice the same thing. And I think... You know, like you said, I don't think he's just some run-of-the-mill Rule 5 pickup. You know, I think he could be kind of a left-handed version of Mark Canna, you know, a guy that the A's picked up not just to take a flyer on, but to really potentially be a staple in their lineup and a guy that can play first base, a guy that couldn't play the corner outfield positions, a guy with power, a guy who can get on base, and a guy with confidence, you know, who can bring a good attitude to the team, too. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm definitely thinking Noda could be a, a really solid addition this year, and we could see him you know, as a left-handed uh, hitter at first base for the A's for years to come. And like I said, if Soderstrom's ready, well, one of them can always go to a corner outfield position too. But I'm really excited to see what Ryan Noda can do. I think A's fans should definitely keep an eye on him because if he pans out, that could be an incredibly valuable pickup for the team. I am on athleticsfarm.com right now. I actually emailed it to myself yesterday. Uh, your A's Farm 2023 Top 10 Prospect List and the two guys that relate, we've talked with about Walt Waldichuk being a prospect. I know we got to do it. I don't. He's be, once he outduels Otani on the last day of the year, <laughs> you're not a prospect. But I get it. Uh, Kyle Muller, another guy we interviewed. I don't know if you got to watch it on YouTube or listen to it on A's Cast, but um, when he told us in the interview, I'm done with the minor leagues. Like I'm done. I was like. <laughs> wow, this guy, you talk about confidence. I mean, he's basically he told he told David Force that in the first call. I'm done doing right. this up and down. I'm better than this. I should be in a rotation. And you're talking six seven. He's a he's not a lanky six seven. He's, <laughs> he's a power forward looking type six seven. Kyle, I, I am excited about Kyle Muller, uh, the stuff, but also you can have all the stuff in the world. It's the makeup. Tell us what you have learned about Kyle Muller, because I think a lot of us came away from uh, spring training very impressed. Yeah, I did hear your interview with him, and I heard the confidence uh, he expressed. I think I heard your interviews, all your interviews you did in spring. So, Boom. Um, th thank you for putting in that hard work so we could all uh, uh, all enjoy that. But, yeah, Muller, very big. Very, I think he's 6'7", maybe like 250. You know, as you know, not a not a delicate guy. And, no. um <laughs> he, you know, and but one thing that's interesting about him saying he was done with the minor leagues, you know, he's he was drafted out of high school and he's 25 now. So he's been in the minor leagues for a long time. You know, he's had enough of it. And he's I think he's pitched over 200 innings just at the triple A level. So uh, I, th I think maybe he's made about 40 starts in AAA. So he really has had enough, you know, <laughs> and it's time for him to show what he could do in the major leagues. Uh, you know, he's got a good fastball, good slider. Uh, decent uh, curveball. You know, he, the main problem he's had when he's been in the majors is just control. You know, he's walked a few too many guys. So if he can kind of harness his stuff and uh, command the ball a little better, um, there's no reason he shouldn't have the stuff to succeed. And it's good to see him expressing that confidence. I think also 
he's probably going to get a nice, a nice regular opportunity with the A's. With the Braves, he was kind of up and down, make a spot start here, go back to AAA. You know, for pitchers, it's so much about rhythm, you know, and getting comfortable. So um, I think if he's able to just make a start every fifth day here for the A's, he's going to be able to get into a nice comfort zone. But he and Waldachuk are the two most promising pitching prospects currently in the league. I mean, currently for the A's, I had them ranked three and four on my top prospects list. And I think those are the two guys that are the most promising going forward for the A's, but there's plenty, plenty of other guys in the mix as well. But I think Muller and Waldachuk are going to be the most exciting guys to watch, um, you know, going forward this season anyway. Did you get to see Shintaro's outing yesterday at all? You know, I didn't see it. I just read about it after the fact, and I heard you talking about it a little bit. And that was always the concern with him, again, too, was was the control. I mean, I think from what I heard, his stuff looked really good. It was just, you know, where he's putting it was, was the only issue. And, you know, that's the case with a lot of guys. You know, if they can't command the ball you know, no matter how good their stuff is, it's good. Things are going to be a little tricky. So that's going to be the test with him. You know, can, can he command his, his stuff and put it where it needs to be um, in the zone or outside the zone? Coming up here at the top of the hour, Daniel Susak, first round pick out of the University of Arizona. You're talking about another big dude. There's a lot of big guys in camp. If a basketball game breaks out, I kind of like our chances. We got a bunch of, like, power small to, to power forwards on the team. But he's a big kid, and I know he can swing it, and they're high on him. Langoliers right now is the heir apparent. But how do you see the growth, and how do you see looking forward for Daniel Susak? Yeah, you know, he he was there, the A's top pick last year. They obviously liked him a lot. They didn't think he was going to be available to him uh, where they picked in the draft, so they were pleasantly surprised that he was even available there. Like you said, he's a big catcher. I think he's 6'4", kind of a Matt Weeders type. And, you know, they like him on both sides of the ball. You know, he's got a really strong throwing arm, which obviously is really, you know, important for a catcher. Well, as a quarterback. Um, but, yeah, yeah, ex exactly. He's like Joe and Maurer, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, he's he's a big, strong guy. He's got a, a big arm and he showed a lot of power in college Had a lot of home runs, a lot of doubles in college. And um, his first, uh, you know, this after he was drafted, he got in about 100 at bats in Stockton. I think he hit around 280, 290. The A's feel good about him with the bat. They feel good about him behind the plate. So, you know, you got a catcher with offensive potential who can also handle the job defensively behind the plate. And he's just a big, strong guy. And, you know, his brother, uh, Andrew, was a, a major league catcher as well. So, you know, he's kind of got that catching bloodlines. He's grown up around it. He he knows what it's about to do that job. First round pick, obviously full of potential. So, you know, he'll have this will be his first full season in pro ball this year. So that'll be our first real good look to see what he does. But, you know, I think he could be coming up in, you know, in a few years and, you know, by that time, you know, who knows where the A's will be at, but uh, um, they might be ready to deal Shea Langoliers back to the Braves for a for a package of pitching prospects, you know? So, so who's to say, you know? Well, Langoliers <laughs> has to prove he can play at this level. So it's like we, we, we've just – we've anointed him, but, yeah, you still got to play at this level. And, you know, a lot of people are high on Susak, so I'm not going to be shocked if someday he's the starting catcher for the Oakland Athletics. Just going through some of the guys that you have on the list. You know, another guy that no one's talking about, but he just lets the stats do the talking. Uh, we don't have a defensive position for him, but not not a lot of people are bringing up Jordan Diaz when we're looking at broadcasts or we're talking about previews. But I, I'm not forgetting him because I know he's young and he can swing it. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing about uh, Diaz is he's just really a professional hitter. I mean, he 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 really puts the bat on the ball. He makes so much contact, and he hits the ball hard, which is a, a you know is a really good combination. You know, he can both he's both a contact hitter and a bit of a power hitter. The questions, um, I mean, obviously the question with him is positionally where he's going to end up. You know, he he. He's played a little first, a little third, a little second. Doesn't really fit perfectly well anywhere. Probably best. If, looks like we've got some other. So, you know, maybe he ends up as a DH, which kind of diminishes his value. But but the bat is real. He's only 22 years old. He was 21 most of last season. And he, you know, he led the A's minor league uh, in hits and doubles and, you know, just had a really tremendous season last year. He can hit. The one one problem with him is he does he makes such good contact. He swings at a few too many pitches, but he tends to hit them. And what happened last year is he led all ace minor leaguers in double plays grounded into, I think he grounded into about 18 double plays. So I think with, with, with Diaz, the key thing is just learn to be a little more selective just because you can put the bat on every pitch. Doesn't mean you should, you know, I think if he just lays off and becomes a little more selective and waits for the pitches, he can really do some damage with, um, then he can become a really productive hitter. But again, where he's going to play positionally is a question mark kind of reminds me of the old Renato Nunez situation with the A's. Um, but I think Diaz is a little better hitter overall, maybe not quite so much power as Nunez had, but maybe a better, uh, better hitter overall, still just 22, so he's got time to learn. He'll still be 22 through most of this upcoming season. I think it's probably likely that he ends up starting the season at AAA. He could make the A's roster, depending on how things go this spring. But I think most likely he starts the season at AAA. And then depending on what he does there, you know, maybe waits for an opportunity to uh, uh, rejoin the A's sometime uh, later during the season. Well, there's that family that everybody tried to say you got to be more selective, but it worked out for the Guerrero family. Uh, Vladimir, uh, <laughs> I think he's still swinging at balls over his head and, and – and- <laughs> and Junior's going to be okay. I think he's going to have a uh, decent little career there in Toronto. Let's end on this. Going forward, we've now started to see some of the players. What's the storyline you're really interested in the rest of spring? Well, you know, it's it's just there are so many interesting stories, really. I think particularly because you have so many versatile players on the A's. Nobody's quite sure where everybody's going to end up playing. True, yeah. You know, I, I, what's been interesting to me is that uh, Aledmus Diaz has started half the A's spring training games as a starting shortstop. You know, are they looking at maybe potentially, you know, having him start against maybe a fair number of right-handers at shortstop and and not having Nick Allen in there every day? That's kind of been an interesting lately. But I think how the outfield breaks down is really uh, going to be interesting because you've got guys like Asturi Ruiz, who you said, you know, very exciting guy on the base paths. Can he hit enough to be in there every day at the top of the lineup to be able to utilize that speed? Then also, what do they do with Christian Pache? You know, no. um, he's out of he's out of options. You know, they got to no. do something with your friend. I think I think they'd love to to find a trading partner to you know to get something for him. But can they do that? And what happens if we get to the end of the spring and he's still on the roster and out of options? You know, and then you've got Ramon Laureano coming back. What's he capable of? He'd love to play center field, but it looks like the A's probably want to put him in right. And then, of course, you've got Seth Brown in the mix out there. And then I think they're going to carry one of these two left-handed hitting outfielders as well, Connor Capel or uh, J.J. Bladé. Probably one of those guys is going to make the roster. That's an interesting battle. Uh, Personally, I think 
I think Connor Capel's probably a, a more advanced hitter at this point. I think Blade has a little more to work on that it'd probably be good for him to start out at Vegas and refine his skills a little bit. But uh, I think Capel's gotten on base like six out of the seven times he's come to the plate this spring or something. And um, so you've got a lot of these guys in the outfield mix and, you know, how that's all going to play out, I think, is is going to be very interesting. And then with where some of these little guys are going to end up, I think Jace Peterson's going to be playing the majority of the time at third base. But where's the lead is going to going to be at? Is he going to be playing some seconds, some shorts, some outfield, some DH, uh, some third? Uh, you know, there, there's a lot to be sorted out. And I think the A's are going to full advantage of all the time this spring to figure out exactly what to do with all these pieces. All right. Well, I, I, I get now you brought up Pache. All right. All right. So. Now, I didn't mean to get you get you started. Here. Now, now that we know he's out of options, if you are a rival general manager and the A's call you, knowing that he's out of options, are you really going to trade for him? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I think I think if you're a rival GM, you're looking to pl- pick him up for nothing and take a flyer on him. You know, yes. Uh, you know, I I think it. I you know, I think even even Mark Kotze made some comment uh, early this spring when they somebody asked him about Pache, and he said something like, "Well, he'll have a lot to you know to try to prove this spring for us and 29 other teams." Or he, you know, he specifically made some reference to 29 other teams, which you know tells me obviously there there have been conversations about you know what you're going to do with this guy so um i you know if if they can trade him and get get something for him i i think they'd probably be down to do it but you know maybe if they can't get anything you know when he they're like well fourth outfielder we can put him in the lineup against left-handers and and see how he does but you know i i think they'd like to get something for him rather than just you know dump him you know on the waiver wire for nothing um so we'll that you know again that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because if he's still with the team start of the season he's probably going to be be on the major league roster if he's not then that opens up a door to you know maybe another right-handed hitter like uh uh, Dermis Garcia, maybe a Jordan Diaz, maybe a Brent Rooker, uh, maybe a Kevin Smith, you know. Uh, so what happens with Pache could affect a lot of other uh, guys' uh, futures with the team as well. So that'll be an interesting story to follow what happens with him. Great stuff as always. We'll be following. We appreciate it. Great. Thanks a lot, Tony. Take care. Bill Moriarty does a great job covering the athletics and their minor league system. Coming up next. Drafted by the A's, the first round 2022 MLB draft. He was the 19th pick overall out of the University of Arizona. They call him the? I don't know. I don't know his nickname. No, Arizona. Oh, Wildcats? The Wildcats. Bear down, as they like to say, in Tucson. Yeah, at first I got confused. I'm like, wait, Tempe, Tucson. Tempe's Arizona State, Tucson, Arizona. I, I don't know where northern Arizona is. Is that Flagstaff? I would say <laughs> northern Arizona is not in the southern part of it, it's Arizona. Where it's, it's where it's Northern snows. Arizona is in northern Arizona where Flagstaff has a ski resort. I, yeah, I, so people are like, it's snowing. Is that? Well, yeah, there's a ski resort in Arizona up in the mountains. Well, it wasn't people. It was me that brought that up in Arizona. Oh, was that you? It was me. It was your ignorance that we yeah, were talking I, yeah. about? Because it snowed here. In the Bay Area and Los Gatos, Morgan Hill, the San Jose oh, Hills, Santa all Cruz. All over the East Bay, yeah. South Bay. It's been snowing. And it, I'll tell you the one that gets me. Um, did you ever see Terminator? Which one? The first one? First one? Yes. 
Remember when they would go down into those concrete, like even the movie Grease, and they go down into the and they race and they do all those things in those concrete. It you know, and the bridges are overhead and it's just that concrete that they're down there below the city. That's for water. But there's never water there because Southern California has no water. But guess what? All those places in Southern California where they film those movies that are just dry, that were actually concrete, basically, for, like, the L.A. River, they're flowing, baby. Yeah, well, There's good. water in all those concrete uh, man-made places all over Los Angeles. And if you know anything about Southern California, that's always bone dry. It's flowing. There's water flowing all over the state. Question is, are we keeping it, or is it going back into the ocean? That's what I want to know. It's above our pay grade. What's, it shouldn't be. What's I don't know what the I forget what the mayor's name of L.A. is. Is it still Garcetti? Is that who it was? Uh, I'm not. No, they just had an election. Mayor of oh, it's a lady who's the mayor. Karen Bass. There you go. It yeah, used, they just, it used to be Garcetti because there was three mayor races. There was Oakland, San, San Jose, Jose, and L.A. And L.A. We have to we have to meet our mayor. If she, she hey, if she wants to come on. Talk a little A's baseball. We don't get into the we, folks. We don't get into the stadium thing. That's that's not it's not what we're built to do. We let outside entities get into the stadium game. We are not in the stadium game. I know you want us to be, but it's just not it's not safe waters for us. Uh, that's a fair way to put it. Yeah, right. I'm very. Ignorant I like to, to swim it. in safe waters when I know there's sharks below. Even though I have done that in. Uh, that is a scary – I'm telling you right now, you're down in the Bahamas. They're not like great white sharks. They're little sharks, but still it's just not comfortable sharks around you. I don't care what their size is. And then I had an eel circling me. Have you ever, have you ever – not an eel. Um, God, what the hell was it? Long with a bunch of – barracuda circling me with the teeth. that has got the long jaws with the teeth was as we were snorkeling on my honeymoon, and the guy's like, don't worry, man, you're okay. Yes, they do like talk like that, the yeah. Bahamas too. It's not Jamaica. Uh, you're okay. I mean, well, okay, what are you talking about? Even though I grew up surfing and being in the, But you know what? If a dolphin popped up while I was surfing in San Diego, I'm fine with that. I didn't know that there were great whites everywhere, but it was better just not knowing. Now that I know, i rather swim in waters that I know great whites are not hanging out in. It's interesting that you're, the two fish mammals that you were swimming with were barracudas and sharks. Fitting because you live in San Jose. What are the two hockey teams in San Jose? Ah, Barracuda and the Sharks. Sharky, hey, by the way, Sharky's lost again last night. Two points away from being the worst team in hockey. Have you ever seen that video in Orange County where there's like four paddle boarders. They're off like Huntington Beach or something like that. This is where they get circled by the sharks. And the helicopter comes above them. You can Google this. And it's the uh, Orange County sheriffs saying, do not be alarmed, but please get to the shore. There are great white sharks below you. There's like 13 great white sharks below these paddle boarders. And the great white sharks are just swimming around. We've, If you watch Shark Week, you see this stuff. And Shark Week, there, I mean, in South Africa, there's great white sharks swimming all over the place. They don't attack people. But can you imagine a helicopter above you as you're paddleboarding? Oh, it's great. 
big. It's Huntington Beach, or it's Newport, or it's Laguna. Isn't this great? Southern California, and all of a sudden a helicopter's above you going, don't be alarmed, but get your ass to the sand, because there's great, there, you can see because the water's so clear, you can see the great white sharks below them. I'm like, oh my God. They're every, I'll get quick, can I give you a quick story? I don't know how we got off on this for sure. Let me give you a quick story. Everybody loves Navy SEALs, right? They're the elite fighting force, them, the Rangers, and our military. Army Rangers, SEALs, or Navy. You know about the famous Hotel Dell in Coronado. Correct. San Diego, on the island, Coronado. Famous Hotel Dell. They've done movies there. All the presidents stay there. It's a famous hotel. If you ever get a chance, the incredible white sandy beach. It's a beautiful hotel. You love it. Restaurants all around it. My mom had a men's clothing shop in the Hotel Dell back in the day. And Navy SEALs train just south of the Hotel Dell. All that SEAL training stuff that you see on Discovery Channel, that's all done, Coronado. In the Coronado, and then in, then they where they have them in the late night in the cold water, it's called the Tijuana Sloughs, where they freeze these guys in the middle of the night, and they so many guys quit. But it's incredible. But that's in Coronado. So Navy SEALs used to purchase clothing from my mother when they needed suits or nice business stuff. And you know what they told my mom? Don't believe what you're hearing on the news. There's sharks everywhere in the water. They're everywhere. And then they talk about their swim where they take them out to Catalina Island. You ever been out to Catalina Island? I have actually been there, yes. Okay. And they do their midnight swim from Catalina back. Uh, You know what they say? Outside of Catalina, and I can't believe this because I've been snorkeling out there, Catalina Island. It's a breeding ground for great white sharks around Catalina Island. Didn't know that. And I did a snorkeling tour. Breeding ground for great whites. They're all – so – you have, you have the Fairlawn Islands off San Francisco that basically they're doing this loop around Santa Cruz, all the way up Fairlawn. They go to Hawaii. They come back. Then you got the ones in Southern California. Great whites are everywhere in our waters. Even ABC7 had that report where the boat was docking on the opposite side of the Golden Gate at Alcatraz. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah. Where the great white shark breached and got the seal, where we thought they only breached in South Africa. No, it breached in the bay. There's great whites in the bay. And two weeks later, they did the Alcatraz swim. They're everywhere. Don't kid yourself. So, back to bring it back to us. I don't like swimming in shark-infested water. That's why we don't do ballpark. So, no, we don't want the mayor. (laughs) Once the ballpark is done, we'd love to have the mayor. Yeah. I, I or would, anybody. I, once we, once shovels are in the ground, we'll talk to anybody who's political. Until then, we stick in our lane. Our lane is what? Baseball. Daniel Susak, former number one pick for your Oakland Athletics, could be the future catcher, joins us next right here on 8. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Cast Live.
Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Daniel Susak, former number one pick for the Oakland Athletics out of the University of Arizona, back in uh, the Valley of the Sun. I, you know, you guys are always telling us down here in Arizona it's hot. It's we're gonna be golfing in shorts. What's going on with the weather? It happens sometimes. You know, it gets cold here. It's a desert. You'll get the coldest of the cold and the hottest of the hot. Unless you go to Tucson, great weather every day. That's what I like to say. But <laughs> you know, sometimes it's always bad. But you know, can't complain. Playing baseball. So the last time we talked to you was in Oakland after you'd been drafted. How's life been since? It's been good. You know, first time I would say since probably ever that I had more than two weeks off, you know, being a catcher, you know, sometimes you need that time off. I always played football or I had fall ball in college. So, you know, have that four-month period to really work on my body, work on getting ready again. It was nice. Yeah, we just talked to uh, Tyler about that to where, you know, you start to get into a routine about how to take care of yourself physically and mentally so you're finding that i am yes you know it was weird because i always watched my brother do it growing up but i would always go to school or then you know go to football practice so it's you know nice to have it on your own way you get to do it you know i get to do what he did for a living now and that is the benefit of having an older brother seeing what he did for a routine you know implementing that for myself yeah, and then there are also the, the, there's that time going from the college season to drafted to playing, a time that you need to step back and breathe a little bit, right? Yep. What was that like being able to, to step back and go, okay, we're now really starting the career? Yeah, it was nice for about a month, you know, finally get a little break, but then, you know, you want to play baseball again, especially after getting drafted, you know, only playing in about 20 games in Stockton. You know, you kind of start to get into a groove after about 20 games, and then, you know, your season's over. So just ready to get back out there and get going again. What was the number one thing you wanted to work on this offseason? I would say flexibility. Being a taller guy, it's huge. You know, trying to get as low as you can because you're already higher up when you're catching than everybody else. That and, you know, staying back behind the ball when I'm hitting. Whenever I get in trouble, it's usually I'm drifting forward towards the ball. So if I can always stay behind, I always give myself a chance. Yeah, being a big catcher, that, that's that's an interesting flexibility yeah. is, is a big player, and that's something that – I mean, that's something you've always dealt with being a big catcher. Mm-hmm. What 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 is the key, though, for you to, to be able to maintain the body like that? I would say just consistency. You know, if you let it – you have to stay ahead of the problem, basically. You know, keep doing your pre-work so you don't have to, you know, deal with the post-work later. If you keep doing it beforehand, you'll never have to deal with the problem after the after the fact. So, you know, just beating it before it actually happens. You know, when I think about a catcher, you need to know all your pitchers, right? Mm-hmm. And now you get into minor league baseball, you're going to have a ton of different pitchers. Guys are coming, guys are going. Yep. Far different than being on a college staff where you know all the same guys, you're partying with those guys, you've known them for years. What do you think that process is going to be like? You only have those few games in Stockton, but what do you think that process will be like handling all these different pitchers? It's fun. I Actually, I think that's my favorite part of being a catcher, you know, meeting somebody at the mound, asking them what they're working on today. You know, always finding something in common. You know, maybe we know this guy from his college, something like that. Getting to know them on a personal level, because every pitcher is different, especially pitchers are the most unique position in terms of personalities. But it's fun. You know, you get to catch these big league pitchers, and you start to realize, like, they have the best stuff in the world. Just like, you know, a guy in low A, guys in college have the same type of stuff, but they're throwing it where they want it every time. And it's really fun as a catcher knowing you're getting it in that spot that you want it. So when pitchers, catchers report, you know, a lot of people just see the video and they just see guys throwing on the mound. And, hey, this guy threw 40 pitches. How did it look? 
But for you, what does that mean to catch all these different guys doing these bullpens? How does that help you? It's a huge help. You know, catching bullpens, it's a lot better practice than people give it credit for. You know, they think you're just back there, you know, get the pitcher, his action, get, you know, just stand back there and catch his pitches. But, you know, you're working on stuff too, working on receiving, you know, that change up they spike, you know, can you block it? You're getting ready for a real game as well. And, you know, it's good to get those four bullpens a day because it's simulating just like a game for four or five innings, and it's nice. From a hitting standpoint, you ready to rock? Oh, yeah, I'm ready to go, ready to see some live pitching. Yeah. So you guys haven't done much yet. No, I've been catching them, but I'm excited. You know, whenever I get to hit, I'm excited to go. Yeah, games are going to be starting here this Saturday. Have they talked about how much playing time you're going to have? I have not heard anything about that. You know, if I get any at-bats at all, I'll be be happy with that. Oh, you're getting A-Bs. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I'm just ready for a pinch hit in the ninth against Hayter. (laughs) (laughs) What what do you want to accomplish this spring offensively? Uh, I would just say stay in balanced. I think if I'm balanced, I always have a chance. I always trust my hands. I think in college, you know, I expanded the zone a little bit too much, but I think that was a product of drifting to the ball. So if I stay behind it and trust my eyes, I think I'll be all right. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about that, especially with the A's, being able to work the count, get the right pitches, swinging at strikes. Yep. You know, too many times we, we see with the numbers, numbers go down when you don't swing at strikes. Definitely. Is that How do you work on that from a, a mental standpoint when you're not actually swinging the bat? Some people may not understand, but there's a lot of visualization and, and how when to swing, when not to swing, and recognizing strikes versus not. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing I have to work on post-college is when to get my A swing off versus when to battle. I think if I had to guess 70, 75% of my at-bats in college, I had two strikes. And, you know, I could thrive in two strikes at that level, but, you know, when somebody's throwing a nastier slider or a better pitch, it's a little tougher. So, you know, maybe earlier in the count getting my pitch, knowing when maybe a 2-0 fastball is your swing where maybe you take that, hey, I'm going to hammer this pitch for a home run versus a 2-2 slider low and away, you're not hitting that ball out. You know, just take it the other way, get your hit. I love that, the A swing, when you're you're ready to let it rip. This may be a question that will be better for next spring training, but how much has catching better pitchers, professional pitchers, helped you offensively? Ooh, I don't know yet. I haven't had a live at bat yet, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it might be better yeah. next I, year. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see it first. But I would say a lot. You know, you get to see the best stuff every day. So when you see it at the plate, you know, it's not something you've never seen before. It's not foreign. So. Seeing that rep every single day will definitely help you at the plate in one way or another. Even if it doesn't help you that day, it helps you eventually down the road. Now, you're a full-time Arizona guy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we should expect what we're expecting right now. Sometimes, yeah. It's uh, When do we get the 80 degrees of the shorts out? Oh, we'll get it out? soon. We'll get it soon, about a week or two. So is this always – because we're actually here very early for us. Yeah. And this Is this pretty normal? Yes and no. I mean, last week it was perfect. Sometimes it's like this. It goes through spurts, you know, three, four days. It's cold, and then it'll go 80 for a month, and people won't say a word about it because it's expected. But sometimes I take Arizona weather for granted. I don't think people realize how good it is during the spring. So do you rep the uh, rep Wildcats around here with all these Sun Devils? I do. I went to a couple of their games this weekend. They were playing out here at uh, – they played at Salt River, and then they also played at Sloan Park. So I went to a couple of games. They beat Tennessee, lost to Fresno State, beat – UC San Diego and beat Michigan State. So 3-1 is not bad. No, I like it. I like it. Well, hey, thanks for the time. Appreciate you coming out in the cold. Thank you. And then uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon, hopefully in Oakland. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I think he's going to – I would buy stock in him. Now I know he's a first-round pick, but I I would actually – I think what I've seen, I think he will be playing in the big leagues. If not for us, somebody else. There's going to be a place for him. 
By the way, I just noticed something. I have a trash can that doesn't get used that's in my garage that for some reason you think that you could just dump your stuff in there and that someone now is going to take that out. Oh, wait for it to get full. I'll take it to recycling. It's all bottles. Oh, okay. As long as you understand that that there's not a this isn't an office building where a cleaning crew is going to come in and take care of your stuff. It's all Starbucks glass bottles. Yeah, I'll, and you just say, "Oh, I'm gonna dump it." No, oh, Townsend. Wait, I'm your cleaning crew. Uh, hey, you can you can go take it to the dump and get money for it if you want. How about your lazy ass takes it out and puts it in recycling, and then I don't have to do it? I can easily do that. Okay. That's why I said once it gets full. It's not I'm full just, yet. I'm just, I just want to make sure. I just. Want to make sure. Yeah. You know, you always have to, and this is why you understand how front offices work, you always have to be getting the next guy ready, right? Because you would have thought Big Murph's going to be here forever. No, he's not. It's now Shay Langoliers. Well, just like Big Murph, I can't hitch my wagon to Langoliers. Now, Langoliers and Big Murph are not apples to apples. Big Murph proved himself at the big league level. Langoliers still has to prove himself. Would love for Langoliers to become a star. I'd love him to be the next Johnny Bench, Pudge Rodriguez, Carlton Fisk. I mean, he's not. Um, but, you, know, you know, you want him to be that guy. But we don't know. And that's why you, you want depth at the position. And you want to have guys who are athletic enough. And that's the other thing about Susak. Susak's big, man. When he sits next to you, he, he looks like a quarterback. If you're ever around, by the way, unsigned outfielder, Jerickson Pro- Profar, is going to, this has just been reported. Old friend Jerickson Profar is going to play in the WBC. He's unsigned. Yes. Yeah, uh... Who will he play for? He's not from the Netherlands, is he? He is going to play for the Netherlands. I think he's from. Is he from? <laughs> is he from Curacao? I don't know. Let me see. Uh, um, his former Rangers teammate just signed a minor league deal with the um, Padres. Rugnet Odor is now a Padre. Who's he playing for? Uh, he is from Curacao, so yeah. So that makes sense that he's playing for the Netherlands. So there you go. Jerks and Profar is in the WBC, but hasn't found a team yet. Yeah, Rudin Adore's only 29. Still a young. Oh, Dor stinks. Yeah, you can't. Well, no. Let me look, look at his. Give me, his, give me Rugnet Odor's numbers from last year. Yankee great Rugnet Odor. <laughs> uh, hit 207, 13 home runs, 53 runs driven. 207. 53 runs driven in, a 632 OPS, or if you want to take it one step further, like I always do, a 79 OPS plus. That's not getting you a monument out in Monument Park. They're not putting Rugnet Odor next to Babe Ruth and Reggie Jackson. Yeah, I think he has some. I think he has some. Um, They're not putting him next to DiMaggio and Mantle and Jeter when you hit 207. Will he be next to Aaron Judge? I don't know how. I don't know what's left. I, 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 I haven't been to the new Yankee Stadium. The last Yankee Stadium I went to is no longer with us. So I don't know what Monument Park looks like in the new stadium. Uh, let's see if I Google. Let's see if they tell you who's actually fully in there. How much rooms left? Oh boy, um, do they have. Jeez, there's a lot of people. Um, let's see if there's any more recent guys they put in. 
Donnie Baseball's in there, huh? Makes sense. Yeah. Great Yankee. Mo, Tino Martinez. Tino Martinez has a monument there? Paul O'Neill. Makes sense. Paul O'Neill was a great player. Bernie, Willie Randolph. Let me make sure this is their Friend own. of the program, Bernie Williams. It says honoree, so I'm assuming they have a – yeah, they, they, it says plaques. Uh, so we, we'll keep going. The last guy to go in, Jeter. Before that, Andy Pettit. Jorge Posada. They're all hacks. Mel Stoudemire. The great Mel Stoudemire. One of the great pitching coaches slash pitchers of all time. Willie Randolph got a plaque? First guy to go in. Who Former was it? A. First guy to go in. Who was it? I would guess Babe Ruth, but that's probably too obvious. Uh, no, it was not Babe Ruth. Then who was the first the one? The great Miller Huggins, the manager. Then Went in before Babe Ruth? Yep. Then Babe Ruth saved baseball and you're putting in Miller Huggins? Uh, Lou, Lou Gehrig won in, in 1941. Wow. Unfortunately, Lou Babe, passed away. Babe Ruth didn't go in until 1949. How? How did Babe Ruth <laughs> take the 17 years from when they put Miller Huggins in to put Babe Ruth in? I'm telling you, it's funny when you read these books about analytics and they go, oh, we're going to tell you how smart we are and we're going to take this and times this, divide this, we're going to do all this kind of hocus pocus and these are the new numbers. Oh, my God, who's still the best at all these numbers? George Herman Ruth. Yeah. For some reason, no matter how you spin the numbers, right, statistics lie and liars use statistics, no matter how you spin the numbers, he still comes out on top. It's amazing. He's so you can do traditional and you can do new era. It doesn't matter. Nobody's numbers dwarf Babe Bruce. I wonder what his ex- It's going to be the same thing in hockey. No matter what you do, you're not going to be better than Gretzky. That's fair. Yeah. You're just not. You're just, I mean, the, game, the name of the game is scoring the puck, and no one has scored it more than him, and no one's assisted more than him. It's just you can't spin it any other way. It uh, They're getting close to breaking his goal record. But his assist record, Ovechkin's getting there. How close? Let's see. Uh, All-time goals. Yeah, you better be close. Ovechkin's like uh, 80, not 81 behind. And how old is Ovechkin? 38, but he's still scoring at a high clip. You think he'll pass Gretzky? I think he can get there, yeah. Okay. He just passed Gordie Howe this year, so he moved into second all-time. But no one's going to catch Gretzky's points. Points, no. and he has more assists than the next closest guy has points in the NHL. I don't care. I don't. I I have no idea what the metrics are in hockey, and nor do I care. Uh, I go to Sharks games just to enjoy. I have no idea what the metrics are, but whatever the metrics are, no one's ever going to pass Gretzky. Uh, that's a fair assessment. I don't think anyone's going to pass Gretzky, and but they're just breaking okay, down the Okay, stop. Stop with your research. No one cares. Yeah. No one cares. Um. 49ers trying to get Brady out of out of retirement. Oh my God! Good they, luck. They need a quarterback. <laughs> Brock Purdy hasn't had the Tommy John surgery or whatever he's doing. So we got uh, we got Johnny coming up here. Yeah, sent you a list of stuff he wanted to hit on. Let's talk about Esty, Fuji. I'm telling you, Ruiz is Ruiz is going to be Ruiz is going to be. If he can steal enough bases, he can be he can be in the rookie of the year conversation. And I know that's I I did not want to put the 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 cart way ahead of the horse. Yeah, you really did there. I did. <laughs> I mean, if he I mean seriously, this guy has this kind of ability. And 
there's quite a few times that you see the rookie of the year is on a team that's in, in, in a transition mode. You're allowed to take risks. You're allowed to do things that are a little more individual when you're on a team that, you know, is not going to win 100 games, not going to win 90 games, and it's not batting for a playoff spot. Let the kid run. I do want to, and I'm just not going to have enough time. I, I want to break down a strategy of what I think if, if Scott Emerson called me up and said, hey, listen, how would you deal with it as a pitcher? I've been thinking about it because I'm not buying. I'm not buying what, what some of these pitchers are just, they're kidding themselves, right? Like you told me, I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, Buster Only Baseball Tonight podcast, is he still only Tuesday and Thursdays? I think, yeah, because it was Tuesday, so yeah. Yeah, Tim Kirchin of Hoop Fame with David Forrest and A.J. Preller it said, you know, did his traditional old guy media. You know, you talk to a player who's really good and a future Hall of Famer, and if he says it, it has to be true. <laughs> I talked to Max Scherzer, and Max Scherzer doesn't think they're really gonna, it's really going to change guys stealing bases. And when a future Hall of Famer says it, that means it's true. I mean, I I still don't understand how the fandom of the baseball broadcasters and media. Uh, hey, the guy's in the Hall of Fame. What what what? Because the guy's in the Hall of Fame, he can do whatever he wants, say whatever he wants. He can't be challenged. No, there's a lot of morons in the Baseball Hall of Fame. They just happen to be good baseball players. There's a lot of guys in the Baseball Hall of Fame that lost all their money because they're idiots with finances. But you think you can't challenge them or ask them questions or uh, or, or challenge their opinion because they're in the Baseball Hall of Fame? We put, like, the old generation of broadcasters slash media, put these guys in the Hall of Fame like they're Hall of Famers. <gasps> can you imagine if we did that in football? Like, <gasps> you can't challenge with Lawrence Taylor. What? Oh, we can challenge everything about Lawrence Taylor's life. <laughs> yeah. Love me some Lawrence Taylor, but clearly Lawrence Taylor had some major issues. Yeah, these guys who are in the Baseball Hall of Fame, they're not the brightest, they're not the sharpest knives in the drawer. Some are a taco short of a combination plate, as they like to say. <laughs> so I will challenge what guys in the baseball. It's like with Tony, Tony La Russa recently doing that stupid thing, walking guys, and you know, you can't challenge a Hall of Famer. My ass, you can't challenge it. And plenty of people did. You can challenge guys who are just because you have a plaque in the Cooperstown, New York, doesn't mean you can't be challenged. And Tim Kirchin, because Max Scherzer's got to be in the Hall of Fame, I'm going to listen to him. Well, Max Scherzer, of course Max Scherzer doesn't want to believe people are going to run it all over his ass. Do you think he wants yeah. to think that? He said oh, He said if, I, if I'm if i 1-3 of the plate, I just have to be 1-2-9 now to the plate. Oh, okay. Well, we'll see. Let's follow that. But I do have a way, I think, and I don't have time to unveil it. I have a strategy that if I was a pitcher, as, you know, we like to say in football, you want to put it on the tape for other teams to see it, right? I have something that maybe I'll unveil this tomorrow of what I want to see our pitchers do so the advanced scouts see it and just put it in the report. You're going to have to plant a seed as I say, the A's need to be the go-go A's, not the go-go socks. The go-go A's, the running A's, whatever you want to, whatever nickname you want to put on us. I think we need to be a track meet. But I think opposing pitchers or our pitchers, they need to have a strategy that keeps teams from doing that. And there's going to be a way to do it. 
and I think you use the pitch timer to your advantage. That is a 24-hour tease, as they say in the business. It is. Coming up on tomorrow's broadcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the news does. We're going to do it here on A's Cast. Oh, also we'll do it. And I think you're going to agree with me. I think you're going to go, I think Townsend's on to something. If we we want to forward promote, as uh, an old boss of ours used to say, forward momentum. Uh, we're going to start our previews tomorrow. We're going to start with the Rockies, and our, our friend Spilly, Ryan Spielborgs, is going to join us. Rocktober? We're talking about the Rockies tomorrow? Well, they, they did end the A's. The, they did end our undefeated streak in uh, spring training the other day. Is it safe to say Chris Bryant had the best 45 games that we've ever seen in the history of baseball as a Rocky? You know, he went there to win. Yeah. He played in 45 games. I mean, that was – He didn't even hit a home run at Coors Field. <laughs> I mean, isn't that a, kind of a big deal? I mean, Mike Hampton went there because of, the, of the school districts, and Chris Bryant went there to win. And his first year of his mega deal, he played 45 games. I got to think the Rockies are happy with their return on investment, their ROI, as we like to say in the yeah. business world. Uh, Johnny's here, so – Do we have Johnny? Yeah. Johnny, how do you feel uh, if you had to bet your kids – college money would you bet on the rockies being uh in the world series this year behind chris bryant because he went there to win i would not bet uh my my daughter's call yeah she'd be i think i think she'd go to folsom lake college to go jc and then she'd, she'd go on to go on to a, to a four-year university but no i would not i would not bet that i don't think that's the the brightest bet on the rockies uh but i i don't know you know what uh, what he had no home. I didn't even know that he had no home runs at Coors uh, Field. That's crazy. Wow. Can, you, can you imagine you sign? You, uh, first of all, he couldn't get a big deal until Boris finally found one with the Rockies. Rockies were desperate. They they they'd been taking the heat about Arenado and that whole thing. He was one one minute he's a career Rocky, the next minute he's on to St. Louis. They had to sign somebody. They got they got Bryant and he goes there. The press conference. I'm here to win. And in your first year of the mega deal, you play 45 games. Ouch. I know, and that that obviously, I mean, like it's all an overpay. But that that was obviously that was obviously an overpay. On I couldn't believe the money he got. I mean, obviously, you know, he's got a pretty good resume and everything like that. He kind of underachieved, I thought, with the Giants. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, I don't know. That was an interesting deal, to say the least. Now, obviously, you're there, so you're seeing it. We we you know we're at the mercy of MLB.com. It was yesterday. The thing that really impressed me about Ruiz was all of a sudden, bang, he's on second base. It happened so fast, and I was like, yeah, he stole that. And, and Cody was editing some stuff after the show, and he was like, you sure it wasn't a pass ball or something? We had to check the play-by-play to make sure it was a stolen base. It just goes to show this kid, instincts mixed with speed, he has yeah. the ability to take 90 feet I mean, I'm having a hard time not getting super excited because I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking, wow, if he can take second, he could take third. He can be in scoring position like that. That type of speed and instincts, you really can't teach. No, you can't. And, you know, I had the opportunity last year to watch him go from first to home on a, on a double. And it was it was unbelievable uh, when the when the uh, the River Cats played El Paso and he 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 was flying. I mean, he's got blazing speed. And to watch him make that catch yesterday, Townie, a uh, beautiful diving catch. You can misread yeah. a ball and find a way to go back or come up to get it. He's he's incredible. And I, I just think the, you know, you know, will he take some lumps, you know, at, at the plate? You know, obviously the old expression, you can't steal first base, going to have to hit. But 
he gets on base and it's all over. He, he and he he runs the bases as I said with reckless abandon. He doesn't he's not scared. He has zero fear. So he'll steal second, steal third. Uh, I cannot wait. If he can get the bat going this year, look out. He'll get 85, 90, 95 steals, really. I mean, that's that's actually that's realistic for him. It really yeah, is. I didn't want to put too much pra- – I mean, you're going way beyond where I went because I didn't want to – but I'm glad that you did because you do something like that, you're going to get votes for Rookie of the Year. This is cart before mm-hmm. the horse, I get it. But if you yeah. go out still 80, 90 bags and on a team like the A's where, hell, why not? Everybody should be running – you're going to talk about a guy who's going to get consideration for Rookie of the Year. For sure, Tony. And look, it is March 1st, and, you know, he's going to battle with Blade for that job. And there, there, there's there's some position battles going on right now. I mean, no one's – I mean, there are a few people have locked up positions, but there are going to be some I mean, spring training battles. So, right now, it's they're, they're all trying out. So, I don't – you know, don't want to give Ruiz that job yet, but I'll tell you, he, he's, uh, he looks pretty good. Blade is going to have something to say about it, though, and he's going to be – um, trying to win that job as well. Maybe both of them will make the club, but uh, man, I just can't wait till A's fans get a chance to watch this guy go from second to home on a single or first to home on a single or first to home on a single, right? Like who knows? This guy's got great speed. So uh, we'll uh, we'll have to see, but I, I can't wait for A's fans to see this guy. When you were with the River Cats and you guys traveled to El Paso, were you guys intimidated the fact that you were going in and you were having to take on the fighting chihuahuas? Because it just, when you're taking on a fighting chihuahua, it's a little dog, but that's a mean dog. It's a mean, mean dog, and it just nab, nabs at your ankle, yeah. nabs, nabs at your, yeah, your, 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 your calf there. So, no, the chihuahuas were hey, – look, Brent Rooker was a chihuahua. I saw Brent Rooker at a walk-off home <laughs> run against, against the River Cats last year, right? So, don't sleep on those chihuahuas, man. And they, obviously, the best merchandise – they, have, they totally. sell out merchandise. Incredible, right? Like it's, it's some of the best merchandise around. But it was, it was always a fun place to go, and, and it's such a hitter-friendly ballpark. You see a lot of 14, 13s. Of course, we had the pitch clock last year as well, so 14-13 will only be like 3-10, right? So yeah. it's a different deal with that pitch clock for sure, but always fun place to go El Paso, but really hitter-friendly. Well, if you and the great thing about minor league baseball, if you do it right with your logo and, and the nickname of your team, you can sell a boatload of merch. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, look at that. that's what some of the teams are doing with all the all the different uh, Montgomery Biscuits and all the different names they have now. They, yeah. it's, it's, that's, that's what they, they they create the name so they can sell the merchandise, and it's smart, and these teams are making money off it, so why wouldn't you? Yesterday for me, it's just the first outing, a lot of pressure, just a lot of anxiety, a lot of adrenaline for Fuji, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was interesting when he couldn't find his release point with the fastball. He went with a get-me-over spinner slider, which that's not something you're going to want to do a lot, but he found something he could get over the plate. We saw velocity. We saw a 92-mile-an-hour splitter, which is pretty incredible. But obviously the theme of yesterday was lack of control, and that's obviously what worries people. I'm not worried about it. I just know that people who were worried about it, they watched that yesterday and they go, huh? Well, I think also he was, as you know, I mean, he he was amped up, you know, facing Shohei, uh, just the history they have. There was some, you know, he was, he was, he was, he was geeked up. So there's no question about, I think it's great that he got out of that, he did not want to get taken out in the middle of the middle of the no. inning. I was so glad he got that double play. That was huge. Got out of it. Base loaded, no out jam. Got out of it. But I mean, obviously, you see this stuff 97, 98, and that split at 91, 92. I mean, it's impressive. He's got, and this is just the start, right? Where I mean, they look, everybody made such a big deal out of this matchup. These two guys going at it, these uh, 
icons in Japan and, of course, Otani, what he's done here. Uh, but, you know, look, it's, it's, it was February 28th, right? Like, so, so let's, let's – hopefully it happens March 30th as well when these guys – are stretched out a little bit, but still it was, you know, good crowd and people were into it and it was, it was, it was good to see. And I, Fuji, I thought despite the three walks was, was impressive down here. It really did. Well, the great thing too, was to get out of it with the double play ball. That's what you want to see. I mean, I mean, there's danger when you start walking guys and next thing you know, the bases are juiced. There's fire alarms going everywhere, but to get out of that, as yeah. we talked about everything that was going on, he, you know, you know, a lot of people don't think about this, but you know, I know that there was a lot of people who woke up at 5 a.m. yesterday in Japan to watch that game. His entire sure. family, all the friends. I, that you know, for us, it's like, hey, it's what February 28th, Arizona. It's still kind of cold. That's not how it was for him yesterday. And Tony, did you hear the collective gasp of millions of people when that ball came screaming back to the mound? People were like, "Oh no!" But he, he was fine. But that was a uh, kind of. I know I was in the back of the booth. Ken and Mitch calling the game, and I'm like, "Oh no, here we go!" Like I was so glad that it wasn't bad, but everybody, I'm sure, was nervous, including all the A's brass, when that ball came right back to the box. But he, he's fine. Not sure if you've heard anything, uh, Ramon Laureano, the growing, obviously, spring training. As we say in hockey, a lower body injury, and we'll figure that one out. But Kirby Sneed being shut down, uh, any news on that? That's a whole different story. No, uh, you know what? I got something earlier on it. I don't recall. I'm sure it's – I think it's minor. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I don't know a lot about it. I think it's day-to-day. But, you know, these things happen early on in spring training, town. You know, it's like guys are still trying to get their feet from out under. And that. it's like, you know, look, the, the, they're, they're minor – they're nicks and bruises, you know, little little pull here. That I don't think it's any big deal. I really don't. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not an athletic trainer, and I don't want to speak for the A's, but I don't think it's. I, I don't think it's a big deal. You know, one guy we haven't talked about, and it's a good thing, is Aguilar. I mean, this guy's a, a veteran, but he's a veteran who's trying to prove he can still be a guy that can hit in the middle of the order, that he can still be a force, that he can hit the ball out of the ballpark. He's worthy of giving him all those valuable ABs as a DH and maybe some at first base. The fact that we've seen a few walks, you've watched him. Tell me what you've seen. Yeah, that's a good sign. And I, I just, not only what I see on the field, what I see in the clubhouse, he, he's a uniter. He's bringing everybody together. You know, the, he has the Latin players, the American players. Everybody's together right now. And he, he's one of those leaders. Reminds me a little bit of Francisco Pena. Francisco Pena was uh, uh, never got up to the A's, but he was in Las Vegas the last couple of years. with was Sacramento a couple of years before that. And he was one of those guys that got the whole clubhouse together. Uh, Latin players, American players. Uh, he, he was able to kind of get kind of, unite everybody and i think that's what he's going to do this year he's a veteran guy he's going to hit some mammoth home runs and i think he's going to be i think he's going to be great for this club i think it's a an outstanding pickup and he's a guy as you said the three walks that's a great that's that's all a's that's a great sign but i think he's going to be good this year you know the one guy that as you're talking about could could unite everybody right because we got players from all over the globe and i think Mm -hmm. about a guy that was able to unite everybody but now it's kind of uh, there's a major stain on it because of the cheating scandal in Houston. But Carlos Beltran was that guy. 
Carlos yeah. Beltran was that guy, whether especially, you know, he could walk into the Yankees clubhouse and be like, hey, I'm Carlos Beltran. You know, he did it with the Mets. He did it with the Astros. He did it. You know, I know he had his time in Kansas City, but Beltran was truly one of those guys that can rally everybody. And especially to be able to do it with the Spanish speaking guys and the American players that that's a leadership. That's a leadership gift right there. If you have somebody like that in your clubhouse. No question. Those guys are invaluable just to bring, bring everybody together. It's a long season town. You had 162 games in 190, 95 days or whatever. And just to, you know, the dailiness of it to keep it loose, but know when to get serious, to have a players only meeting when you need it. Uh, you know, it means a lot. So you see a guy like that that has those kinds of leadership qualities, bring bring a team together. It's it's invaluable. And I know you know we talk about analytics and all the things, all the statistics and everything, but that can't be measured. When you have a guy that can lead like that, and uh, it it makes a difference in the clubhouse for sure. And if you're able to put a camera in center field and link it to a TV next to the dugout and steal signs, Beltron became even more valuable. Yeah. There we go. There you go. <laughs> Don't worry, we've hammered that to death, and we will continue to hammer that. We absolutely love it. All right, we're in uh, Cincinnati. To how is Goodyear? Goodyear's uh, cloudy. They're expecting some rain, maybe two, two thirty, three o'clock. But we should get this game in. The exciting thing here: we got the shortstop Ellie De La Cruz, one of the one of the biggest prospects in baseball, six five with a cannon arm. He's starting today. We'll probably see Matt McLean with the Reds today. So we got uh, Graham Ashcraft, Adrian Martinez going for the going for the A's, about ready to. Take on, uh, go to the WBC and uh, represent Team Mexico. Looking forward to seeing his change up and see what he does today. So, should be a lot of fun today, Tony. Looking forward to it. We just, it doesn't matter if it's the Bay Area or Arizona. We just, we can't escape rain. It's rained here the last, no. it's, it's, it's cold and windy today, but the last two days, it's just been rain. It's been miserable. I know you think you come to Arizona, you escape the rain, but no, we might, might have some today. But hopefully, it'll, after today, though, they're saying, well, uh, blue skies for a long time. So we just got to get through today. We'll be good. I mean, when are you going to have the spring training tan? I don't know. I need it. I need it. Yeah. I, I need something. So yeah, I, I would love to, I would love to get a spring training tan, but I just, I don't know. I, I it's going to be a little bit, a little bit. I, I'm, I'm, I get, I, I burn easily Townie. I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to get, I'm kind of like you. you, you burn, don't you? Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. So I'm in the. I'm golfing. I'm in the sun all the time. So yeah. But when I was younger, I was super tan. But now, as you get older, you got to worry about that stuff. I thought. Exactly. I thought you'd be the guy out on the berm, no shirt on, baby oil. I thought you'd be that guy. Well, if Delaire wants us to broadcast a game out there and get us some sun, let, let's do it. Let's go out in the berm and call a game. Why not, right? Just forget sunscreen. Pure baby oil, man. We're getting a tan today. Just lather it on, right? <laughs> Drinking beers, sucking down hot dogs. It'd be the best best broadcast. You'd right? be like the Choo -choo new. Pitch misses high and just, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. You'd be the new right. Harry Carey. You'd be a tan Harry Carey. It'd be the right? best. Yeah. yeah, it would last long. Are you, are yeah. you, are you, uh, are you solo today? I am. I'm solo today and tomorrow. Yep. Yep. So and then uh, with, with Vinny on, on Friday and then those guys go to Vegas on the weekend and, and uh, yeah. And the, I mean, spring training's here, man. It's, it's every day now. I love it. You're Johnny, right. you're Johnny solo. I'm Johnny solo. And I'm, 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 I'm getting to call some baseball today, man. Can't wait. Well, we good. will be listening. Have a good call and we will talk to you tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. That's Johnny from the ballpark right there today. It's Johnny solo as uh, Johnny will be calling the game for us right here on A's Cast. You can watch it on MLB TV, MLB.com. Uh, no, no watch today. Just what? Because we're on the road. 
So Ace Caster, Bloomberg 960 for to listen. Today and tomorrow. We're in Sloan Park tomorrow. Against, Ooh, Sloan's against the Cubs. a great ballpark. Sloan is my favorite. And no, I don't have anything. I have no I have nothing against the Cubs. <laughs> I have no no beef. Well, I mean No they, beef. They are the lovable losers. I have no beef. You, 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 know, you know what they are? And that's something that I mean we just didn't have time today. Are we gonna when are we gonna have time we can actually talk more baseball? Tomorrow. Okay. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. You know, fans are are very fans are very into winning championships, right? It's all about winning the championship. The, ch- you, the chip, as the kids say, no. you you never forget it, right? Well, you know what happens after you win the championship? If you don't win another championship and you don't stay competitive, people get fired and people get angry, and all of a sudden that championship that you said that's all you ever wanted, you don't have that security anymore. A la the 09 Phillies. So they win in 08 or 09? Oh, they 08 and the Yankees won 09. 09. They won in 08, right? Everyone's like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Next thing you know, they stopped winning. Their players got expensive. Their players got old. People got fired. How about the Cubs? Oh, my God, it's the curse of the goat. We finally won. This is the greatest moment of our lives. And all of a sudden, the Cubs stopped winning. They kept going to the playoffs, came up short. Now all those guys are gone. That was seven years ago. Now. Yeah, and and Cubs fans are pissed. What happened to just winning one title and you'd be good forever? It's a lie. That's like with San Diego and and Texas right now. They've spent all this money could just win one World Series and you'd be like, it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it till five years later. You want everybody fired because you're not winning anymore because all your guys are old. That whole one championship cures all is a lie. And there's so many examples of people fired within five years after winning the championship. We've seen it. We've seen oh, it in the Bay Area oh, with the Giants. Oh, oh, Bruce Bochy didn't bring you anything, and Brian Sabian. Yeah. Last time I checked, they had not won a World Series since New York. Do you know the year? Uh God, nineteen fifty-four. Four, 1954. That's a great – oh, my God, that's a great 1954, guess. and all of a sudden they went in 2010. Giant fan, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And then they went in again in 12. Oh, Hunter Pence is giving speeches. This is great. And then 14. My God, we did it again three in a row. Mad Bum. Oh, Mad Bum comes out of the pen. He's forever giant. We're all forever giant. Years later, man, Bochy's old, doesn't use analytics. Sabian's old. He doesn't use analytics. These guys got to go. These guys got to go. That was nine years ago now. They got to go. (laughs) I thought Bruce Bochy, oh, Bochy's retiring. Uh, No, I'm not. You're just pushing me out. That was the most non-retirement push out, but we ended on, okay, Bochy wasn't retiring. Don't tell me championships buy you anything. They'll buy you a parade. They'll buy you immediate satisfaction. And you'll have your gear that says 2012 World Series. But let me tell you something. If you're telling me championships buy forever, Brian Sabian would still be the general manager or he'd still be the president. Bobby Evans would be the GM, our buddy Bobby Evans. And Bruce Bochy, friend of this program too, would be the manager. He didn't want to stop. So if winning championships cures all other than your immediate satisfaction, these guys with the Giants would still have a gig. Yeah, they'd all be there. 
Remember the curse of the Bambino? Oh. How many people are still left from that organization with the Red Sox? Ben Charrington won with the Red Sox for their second title and then got his ass canned. That that whole win a championship thing, I, I want to win a championship. I want a parade. I want a ring. I want all of that. But I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna kid myself to think that that cures all. No way. Because people get fired three to five years after a championship. Going to a championship and winning a championship only goes so far. It does not last. Let me tell you something. If the Warriors don't win for like the next four years, you think people are gonna be calling Steve Kerr a genius? They were already starting to. Bob Myers. Bob Myers may be out. From what? I don't know if I should really talk about that. Well, no, you can say his contract's up after the year. Then things aren't going well, from what I understand. Interesting. Bob Myers won all these championships. You think Bob Myers would be golden forever? That they weren't going to shovel Kurt Lakeb in there, Joe Lakeb's kid. That Bob Myers would be golden. What he'd come back to the Bay Area. Leaves being an agent, wins all these titles, he'd be golden. Wait a minute, they've won. That's just all – people who try and sell championships is endless happiness forever. It's, it's just not. It's, it's greatness now. It's satisfaction now. We all want it. We all crave it. We all need it. But don't kid yourself thinking there's security in it. And, by the way, something I want to bring up because we are going to get into this massively tomorrow. I know sometimes you don't like the business of baseball, but we have to talk about it. We've got crazy things happening. If you, I read it last night. It's another great article by Evan Drellich, friend of the program. You've seen him on here talking about his new book with the Astros. He broke the Astros story. It's one of the biggest stories in baseball history. He did a thing on the economics of baseball, not only on the cable networks, So baseball has put out a new committee to figure out what the hell are we going to do going forward because cable money's drying up. And it's drying because we were in San Diego for the winter meetings when the commissioner addressed this. That was December, early December. What is the date? Uh, Today's March 1st. Literally two months since the commissioner was at the winter meetings and did his annual talk with, with the media has, can I get the fire alarm, please? Oh, the panic button? The panic button. Uh, one second. Yep. In uh, two months, it's been almost two months. It was December fifth. We were down there, right? Uh, somewhere around there. Yeah. It's been almost two months since the commissioner warned. The commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, warned everybody: we've got a problem with our regional sports networks. We didn't really think much. We didn't even talk about it. We're like, oh, okay, yeah, we kind of know that. That's why we created A's Cast. But we didn't know it was this bad. We didn't know there was bankruptcy. We didn't know that this Bally's, who has 14 teams, was not going to be paying their bills. People are not getting paid. We didn't realize the AT&T teams, there are three or four of them. Three. Half their checks have now not been paid. Season hasn't even started. So two months ago, the commissioner warned us, we're now two months later. And guess whose contract's up after 2024? A TV deal? Rob Manfred's contract. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember reading that in the article. Rob Manfred's contract's up in two seasons. He's got he's got ownership issues with the Reds and the Orioles. He's and got, the Nats. Don't forget the Nats, too. They haven't sold. So that's three. You got ballpark issues in Tampa and Oakland. 
you now have and you you can't expand until that gets done. That's been an absolute mess. And now you have all this bankruptcy with your with your cable. I mean, the Padres and the Rangers just guaranteed all this money. The Padres are on the hook right now for one point four billion, and they're not going to get their money from their TV deal. Because if they go into bankruptcy, when Bally's goes into bankruptcy, you know who's going to get paid last? The teams. The teams. Teams are going to get paid last. So the Padres, they've just guaranteed all this money, and now they're not going to get their TV money? They're going to go into bankruptcy, Bally's? Rangers are not going to get their TV money? I don't. I can't say that for sure. I'm speculating here. But, yeah, once you go into bankruptcy, checks aren't flying out the door like they normally do. We already know Bally's is missing checks now to their to, to people. And AT&T has missed some of them. Rob Manfred may be fighting for his job with the owners. This is some interesting times, man. How is baseball going to bring you its product? How much is that going to change? I mean, I was texting people today. You know our cookie-cutter pre- and post-game shows on cable TV? I mean, that's why I'm saying this is why we developed A's Cast. You control your own product. The A's control their own product. This is the future. This is where it's going. That's why we created this for you, A's fans. Chronicle's not traveling with the team. MLB.com is kind of going to travel with the team. So you're not going to have traditional writers and newspapers or even website. I mean, where do you get the distribution of news to your fan base? Right here, A's Cast and A's Cast Live. This is the future of Major League Baseball. We've been telling you it for years. You've done a great job for us with all the downloads and all the viewership. We appreciate the heck out of you, but we've been telling you we're ahead of the curve. Little did we know from December to now, we already knew terrestrial radio was in trouble. Now, even cable's more in trouble than terrestrial radio. It's insane. They're going to have to come up with answers fast. And, oh, yeah, they want a salary cap. It's always been the big boys don't want the salary cap. But now you're hearing, and this is what Evan Drellich in the article talks about. We'll get more into it tomorrow. Is like John Henry of the Red Sox. You've got the big market teams now saying, yeah, this stuff's out of control. Now, what needs to be told to the players is, a salary cap only stops the big boys from making more. But it will rise all of you guys up. The rest of you will make more money because there will be a ceiling and a floor. Everybody else will get more money. The players need to understand. Someone has to educate the players. Charles Barkley said about the NBA. What did he say? He was on with Stephen A. the other day on ESPN, and I believe I'm paraphrasing. Uh, the quote was, we, play, we pay a bunch of janitors and plumbers uh, and bums 200 or $300 million. Why? Because of a salary cap. You can only pay LeBron and Steph Curry so much money. Everybody else is getting paid. Guys make more money because of the salary cap. Baseball players, bench guys, relievers, third, fourth, and fifth starters. You'll make more money. You guys want to sign up for a system that just, just it takes care of Trout and Machado and Lindor and Tatis and Betts. You, aren't you tired of just the star guys getting all the money? Wouldn't you want to get more? 
Well, why don't you band together? Because there's more of you. There's more non-Mike Trouts than there are Trouts. There's more non-Otanis than are Otanis. Stop letting the system just be about the star players and be about you and your profession and your family. Maybe I should get up and talk to the players. It's better for your game. It's better long term. Can't we cap Mike Trout at four hundred million? Can't we do that? And is Mike Trout going to be okay going to Eagles games, may, having a four hundred million dollar contract? <clears throat> yes, uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to get into him seeing more playoff games at Eagle, oh. Eagle games than, than he does as an Angel. But we won't go there. I don't have time to get the rally monkey out. <laughs> A's baseball, A's and Rays. Johnny Solo on the call next. We'll see you tomorrow right here on A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.